Welcome to the saddest goddamn episode of Barely Audible Whisper in these saddest of goddamn times. As all three of our regular listeners have noticed, this is our first show in a little over two months. We hope somebody noticed anyway. We had to take a break because the piece of shit known as 2020... Not to be confused with the piece of shit known as Donald Trump... ...took our dear friend and beloved cast member Corey Burns away from us. That's a euphemistic way of saying she died. We're sorry to break the news this way, but to be fair, there's not a not-bad way to break such tragic news. Just ask Walter Cronkite. President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern, some 38 minutes ago. I'm not crying. I just have some journalistic gravitas in my eye. The sudden death of our hilarious cast member and wonderful friend in the midst of the rolling tragedy that was 2020. Well, I guess it just sort of... It fucked us up. Here to try to explain it better is Barely Audible Whisper's Bizarre Analogy Correspondent. 2020 has been described as a dumpster fire, but more accurately, it was like a dumpster that was not only on fire, but it also possessed a dark magical ability to turn everything it came into contact with into a dumpster that was also on fire, causing the stench of burning garbage to choke even those of us lucky enough to not personally contract the condition of burning garbage, but the fireman in charge of putting out the plague of burning garbage was himself a gasoline fire at a landfill. And the flaming landfill's response to the fire was to douse the world in gasoline and fling egg fart-fueled Molotov cocktails while claiming that the contagious plague of charred rotten banana peels was actually extinguished and the air was aromatic like flower-scented stolen democracy, which he denied stealing by claiming it was stolen by the fire extinguisher, which made the burning mountain of garbage burn hotter and more skunk-like. The stench of hot garbage is gonna destroy us all. There's a fire burning in my nostrils that stinks like molded cheese and the burnt ball sweat of the skirted jockstraps. And throughout the godforsaken year of 2020, Barely Audible Whisper tried to counteract the stench of burning garbage with humor. We tried to make jokes about the burning garbage that would act like air freshener. We felt powerless to stop the burning dumpster, but at least we could spray it with Febreze. And the sweetest smelling odor remover in our aerosol arsenal was Corey Burns. But you said we could use your words against you. And now you won't let us use your words against you. You gave the banks a get out of jail free card at a time when you should be giving the people a community chest. Thanks to this cool new thing that Lindsey Graham made up, you can't use my own words against me. But I really, really, really want to. You took their $200 for passing go and made them take the B&B Railroad to luxury tax. But your entire nomination goes against the precedent that Republicans established last election. And your record indicates that you're completely willing to overturn every legal precedent you disagree with. Baltic Avenue, advance four spaces, thimble, 
Monopoly metaphors are hard. Get the fuck out of here with your authoritarian, dear leader, fascist ass bullshit. You mushroom dicked, poorly drawn cartoon version of Orwellian dystopia, whiny ass Hitler wannabe bitch. So when Corey died of multiple brain aneurysms at the age of 32, it was as though the universe ripped open our best bottle of sweet smelling Febreze, dumped its sweet smelling contents into the foulest smelling sewer and left us to choke on the stench of grief. Ashes to ashes, stench to stench, world without air freshener, amen. That certainly put everything into perspective. No, it didn't. No, not at all. Maybe Joe Biden can help. I'm Joe Biden, and I know about grief because my wife and two of my children have died. But you already knew that because I centered my entire campaign on the fact that my wife and two of my children have died. Did I mention that my wife and two of my children have died? We're already counting on the unrealistic expectation that he can heal America. Maybe he can heal us too. In order to get through the malarkey, you must remember the no malarkey from before the malarkey. Then again, maybe not. But eventually, the no malarkey memories will replace the malarkey of loss. Because the malarkey of grief is proportional to the no malarkey that you are fortunate enough to experience as part of your life. And your life is ever the more no malarkey because of it. And that no malarkey will live on in your heart. And eventually that no malarkey will outweigh even the most malarkey grief. And you will be healed by the very no malarkey whose loss is causing you this great malarkey. And that's no malarkey. Not unlike my expectations for his presidency, Joe Biden helped a little. And not unlike my expectations for his presidency, I bet Kamala Harris could do better. There was a little girl. And that little girl became a strong woman. And that strong woman was silly. And that silliness was comedic genius. Hey, Mo, how do you tell if these masks are working? I can't see a thing. Oof. You knucklehead, the mask goes over your mouth, not your eyes. Ow! Knock it off, you two. I've got a hot lead and some PPE. Give me money. That's good thinking, Jared Kushner. That's why you're the brains of this operation. What's a big idea? I'm the brains and you're the not as dumb as Carly. Give me money. Yeah, you're right, Jared. I was out of line. Can you ever forgive me? Give me money. Right away. Oh! 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 I think I hear the phone ringing. You don't bark at the phone, you nitwit. You answer it. Like this. Hello? 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 Give me money. Do we cheat him and how? Fox News host Judge Janine Pirro here. I need three cases of masks shipped to the hospital nearest my house, and three cases of wine shipped directly to my house. A wise guy, eh? Well, we don't do personal favors for no Trump cheerleaders. Give me money. Oh, what's a big idea, Chatterhead? Personal political favors is the whole point of this whole operation. A shipment, huh? I'll call the Navy. They'll be able to send a ship. That's good thinking. You can't send a Navy ship to my house. Oh yeah, 
that'd be too suspicious. Better send a cruise ship. Yeah, they'll be out of commission for a while. A cruise ship shipment sounds ship shape. No, send the shipment in a truck. Oh, you mean a truck mint. Nyak, 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 nyak. Hey! Oh, what's the matter with you two numbskulls? You send the shipment in the truck. We just need to find a truck big enough to fit a ship inside it. I cannot believe that the Trump derangement syndrome, hysterical left wing, lamestream media has the nerve to say our president and savior, King Trump's pandemic response has been inadequate. Supposing we take two trucks and tie them together. Or corrupt. Give me money. Or in any way, inept, incompetent, or mismanaged. I'm not drunk enough for this. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. <sighs> Something got in my throat. Was it a curly hair? Oh. But the true genius of that silly woman was not in her comedy but was in her humanity. Because that silly woman was even kinder than she was funny. She was an even better friend than she was an actress. And that little girl was Corey Burns. Told you Kamala would nail it. That fella earlier was, was talking about bad trash on fire smells. I know about innocuous bad smells because my wife and two of my children died and that smelled metaphorically like burnt pubic hair roasting on a bed of dried vomit and horse malarkey. But Corey smelled good. She didn't just smell good metaphorically because she was good. She smelled good literally because she had beautiful curly hair. It was the kind of hair that you just want to smell and smell, and smell some more. <sighs> her hair smelled as beautiful as her soul. <sighs> but you can't smell a soul. You can smell hair though. And not unlike my expectations for his presidency, there's gonna be some awkward moments. Creepy hair smelling aside, Corey truly did have the sweetest soul of anyone I've ever known. Indeed, as Kamala Harris said it better than Joe Biden ever could, Corey was delightfully silly, but the only thing that surpassed her brilliant silliness was her sincere kindness. She was so full of genuine joy that anyone who was around her couldn't help but feel more joyful. Even me. Even Michael. Indeed, Corey was joy. Therefore, Corey performed with joy. Corey took so much joy in performing that her joy was infused in her performance. Thus, the audience experienced the vicarious joyfulness of her joy. Barely audible whispers own chronically unemployed, frustrated aging actress Mitzi von Hammerschmidt has evidently popped by to tell us what she thought of Corey's work as an actress. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, is this the cowards meeting? Uh, who are you? I'm a coward. Who are you? 
Oh, I'm, I'm also a coward. I'm afraid of what punishing a coward can mean for cowards. Me too. But I'm also afraid of you. I'm afraid this meeting was a bad idea. Me too. Let's get out of here. No! Ah! Ah! Who are you? I'm a coward. I was on my way to the cowards meeting, but then I chickened out, and I decided not to go. But then, I detected sudden movement out of the corner of my eye. I don't know what it was, but it scared me, so I ran in here for cover. Well, we're getting the hell out of here. It's not safe. Why not? We don't know. We don't know. Well, we can't go back out there. Whatever I saw out there might still be out there. We're trapped. What are we going to do? We could start the meeting. Oh, I was afraid you'd say that. I'm terrified of public speaking. Well, there's only three of us. Okay, here goes. <clears throat> so, Scott Peterson. <gasps> Not that Scott Peterson. This is a different Scott Peterson. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Anyway, this Scott Peterson may be a coward, but he's not a criminal. He was faced with a fight-or-flight situation, and he chose flight. If he ran towards the danger, he'd be a hero. And not doing what would be heroic to do is, by definition, normal. Because if it was normal to do what was heroic to do, then it wouldn't be heroic to do it. Well said. You're my hero. I'm no hero. All heroes say that they're not heroes. I'm a coward, just like Scott Peterson. <gasps> not that Scott Peterson. Oh, oh, Corey Burns provided all three of barely audible whispers listeners with the most consistently brilliant comedic acting ever since my downstairs neighbors were privileged to hear my nightly rehearsals of my one-woman show. Her silliness was so transfixingly transcendent that she actually played two distinctively different characters that both spoke in tongues. Ruth says hello. Demon. No demon. Yes, demon. Yes, <laughs> For Bailey Audible Whisper, I am Trump's spiritual advisor, Paula White, saying, Shh.
She possessed the intelligence to play unintelligent characters at the peak of their unintelligent intelligence. I mean, really, what's the big deal? Who cares if Trump directly tied the ability of Ukraine... What's a Ukraine? ...to purchase anti-tank weapons... What does Ukraine have against tanks? ...to their willingness to directly participate in a political scheme to smear... Do you mean smear like with finger paint? ...Joe Biden? This is way too in the weeds. First of all, what does any of this have to do with weeds? There's no quid pro quo. I agree. Squids are gross. The hysterical left is breathlessly trying to act like it's so terrible that the president of the United States subjugated... Gates are the subject? The national security interests of the United States... National security gate subjects means build the wall. ...for his own personal political gain. I don't understand what any of this means. Americans are like, what's the connection between a Ukraine and dots? Is Ukraine a type of dot? And if so, why are those dots so anti-tank? But, I mean... Why do we park on the driveway and drive on the parkway? Come on! What's the big deal? And why did the chicken cross the road? We may never know. Bottom line, there's no quid pro quo. Are those even real words? Because in order for there to be a quid pro quo... It's like you're speaking a foreign language or something. The president would have had to directly say out loud that this is a quid pro quo. That's science. There's no there there. There where? How can there be a there if there's no there where there is? This is all too confusing. Yet, her actual intelligence was so unassuming that she could play intelligent without arrogance. I'm crisis correspondent Michael Amity, and I've covered every kind of crisis there is, from war to famine to Sean Spicer on Dancing with the Stars. This crisis is worse than any you've ever seen. Why are you hiding under a lab table? I'm taking cover. When a cosmologist at an astrophysics lab says there's a crisis worse than any crisis I've ever seen in my career covering crises, I can only assume that a meteor is about to crash into the Earth. Worse. My God! What's worse than the imminent destruction of our entire planet? Our understanding of the rate at which the universe is expanding appears to be flawed. And? That's it. That's the entire crisis. That's it? How is that a bigger crisis than the imminent destruction of planet Earth? Do you have any idea how cosmically insignificant the destruction of one planet is relative to the vastness of our expanding universe? No. Apparently, neither do we. Okay. So some new data indicates that your models for the universe might be inaccurate. That hardly qualifies as a crisis. But this means we don't fully understand the complexities of the universe. Yeah, nobody does. We thought that the universe was flat, but now there's evidence to suggest it might be round. Well, that is a crisis. You don't want to be one of those flat universe or conspiracy theorists. (laughs) The analogy on which that joke is premised is provably inaccurate, and therefore quantifiably not funny. Are you sure? Because you used to be sure that the universe was flat. Observations from the Planck telescope and the calculations of the cosmic distance ladder just yielded vastly different estimates for the Hubble constant. So, no, I'm not sure of anything anymore. 
I don't know what any of that means. Observing cosmic microwave background data predicted one Hubble constant, but calculating distances of objects to ascertain the rate at which they are accelerating away from one another yielded an entirely different Hubble constant. I don't know what any of that means either, but based on my understanding of the definition of the word constant, the problem seems to be that a constant can't be a constant if it isn't consistently constant? Exactly. An inconsistent constant is not a constant, but rather an inconstant. Consequently, the inconsistencies in the constant are causing crisis levels of constant consternation. You're being too hard on yourself. What are you basing that on? You're trying to discover a complete and rational understanding of the universe. That's literally the hardest thing there is to do. Subjectively, perhaps? Along the road to discovering the objective nature of all reality, you have to expect to constantly contend with inconsistencies in your constants. Cosmology's entire understanding of the universe is crumbling, and you're trying to comfort me with the junk science of self-help psychobabble wordplay? I get the fact that the failure of your models for how the universe works is disappointing, but ultimately all that means is that you don't fully understand what nobody fully understands. Most people don't even understand why you no longer understand what you had previously understood. So you're saying physicists shouldn't feel bad for being wrong about physics because most people are too stupid to understand enough physics to understand why physicists were wrong about physics? Exactly. Figuring out the nature of the cosmos is really complicated. Most of us are impressed you're even trying, and if you hadn't publicly admitted there was a problem, none of us would have even ever known. But that would be unethical. We wouldn't think of it. Aww. And that's why the institution of science is better than the institutions of finance, religion, and government. So cut yourself some slack, physicists. You're trying to figure out the exact nature of all of existence. Meanwhile, the rest of us can't convince 33% of the population that Donald Trump is a criminal. And yet, she personally possessed such unpretentious kindness that she could portray pretense without losing her inherent likability. Barely Audible Whisper hired spiritual guru, presidential candidate, and pretentious liberal you feel judged by every time you shop at Whole Foods, Marianne Williamson, to cover the 2020 race. Oh, I called my best friend, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, and said, what up, girl? And she said, vagina. And I said, power. Um, every day I was bussed into school on the magical mystery tour. That comment was hurtful. But Kamala, my darling tropical flower. You are wrong for saying that. When I'm elected president, I will appoint you to my most elevated cabinet position. You will be secretary of the department of my spirit animal. That was hurtful. Soar like an eagle, Kamala. Corey was uncommonly versatile and generous as a performer. And yet, there was one recurrent role for which she was so celebrated that Ali's own mother 
was disappointed to learn that Ali was not, in fact, our Trump impersonating woman. <laughs> it's true. And that role, as I so carelessly gave away, was that of President Trump. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. 186 bazillion percentages of people who wear masks get the Chinese China Communist Party General Tso's virus. Because when the China Chinese Kung Fu movie with annoyingly bad dubbing virus sees people wearing masks, it thinks that there's still a pandemic. But if people don't wear masks, then the hot Asian chick fetish virus will think, I guess I disappeared just like a miracle, and it will go away. Cory Burns was the exact opposite of Donald Trump. That's and yet... She managed to inject herself into her portrayal of Trump. The true genius of Corey's comedy was her uncanny ability to be silly and sincere all at once. As a sincerely silly human, she was able to heighten her characters to cartoonish levels of silliness, whilst remaining grounded in a genuine humanity. Oh, Kim, I love to hold you close and feel your square head pressed against my rows of fat. And I love the way my misshapen bowl cut forms a jet black Hitler mustache above your belly button. Remember when we fell in love in Singapore? How can I forget? You spontaneously declared at a press conference that you were ending joint U.S.-South Korean military exercises without consulting South Korea or your own generals. And I got absolutely nothing from you in return. Barely Audible Whisper obtained exclusive audio of President Trump taking over the Mueller investigation and interrogating himself. President Trump. Yes, Special Counselor Trump. Is it true? Uh, objection. Truth is not truth. Rudy Giuliani is correct. Truth is not truth. Trump was trying to trap Trump in a perjury trap, but Trump was too smart to be outsmarted by Trump. What about all the love letters I wrote you? That's something. I memorized my favorite one. Trump walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climbs and starry skies and all that's best of dark and bright. Meet in Trump's aspect and Trump's very large hands. Did you write that one yourself, Kim? You're dumb enough to believe I did. You write the best love letters. Nobody writes most better love letters than Chairman Kim. Chairman Kim love letters are the Trump tweets of love letters. I talk about your letters all the time. I say, Chairman Kim and I fell in love and Chairman Kim writes me beautiful letters. Sean Hannity warned me about this problem last night when he was tucking me into bed. Hannity called it the Trump Paradox. Is Trump so Trump that Trump can create a Trump that is Trump enough to out-Trump Trump? You bastard! Ah! How dare you cheat on me with another dictator? 
It's not like that. MBS means nothing to me. It's because he's taller than me, isn't it? Of course not. Nobody's <laughs> taller than you, Kim. Me and you both have notes from corrupt doctors saying we are six foot seven and weigh 250 pounds of pure muscle. It's because I had to travel on a train because I couldn't afford to fly, isn't it? I know you, Donald. You hate poor people. That's true. I do hate poor people. Poor people are stupid. It's like, duh, why don't you just get daddy to give you $413 million? How hard is that? Do you want answers? I think I'm entitled. Do you want answers? I want the truth. You can handle the truth. We live in a world that has a wall that isn't being built, and the funding of the wall I'm lying about has to be lied about by Trump. I tell more lies than you could possibly fathom. I tweet words like witch hunt, rigged witch hunt, and totally rigged witch hunt. I tweet those words as the backbone of life spent conning people. You tweet them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor inclination to explain myself to a Trump who has sex with porn stars under the blanket of the very con job I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and arranged for Michael Cohen to pay off the porn stars. Otherwise, I suggest you fake a bone spur and avoid standing a post. Either way, Trump doesn't give a damn what Trump thinks Trump is entitled to. Mr. Trump, did you collude with Putin? No collusion. Did you collude with Putin? No collusion. Did you collude with Putin? You're goddamn right I did. You're my little rocket man. And you're my... Yankee imperialist doter. I'll make it up to you, my little rocket man. I'll give you anything you want. Sanctions relief, legitimacy on the world stage, the indentured servitude of Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I'm sorry I got so jealous. You're the first person I've ever loved who I couldn't have murdered on a whim. <laughs> I guess I'm just not used to being vulnerable. I understand. You're the first person I've ever loved who wasn't me. If it pleases the Trump, Trump moves that Trump be dismissed, and Trump immediately begin a cover-up of everything Trump just confessed to Trump, so that Trump may continue to avoid the consequences of being Trump. Maurice Trump was superior to all other Trump impressions, because all other Trump impressions are tied to his projections of masculine toughness. But Corey, in her natural sweetness, minimized the hollow machismo that captured the essence of Trump's inner man, baby. And so, Barely Audible Whisper presents Johnny Isaacson giving Donald Trump a whooping. That's it. Get your ass over here so I can bait some sense into it. Fake news. You'll have to catch me first. Nobody hides under the table to avoid a spanking better than Trump. <laughs> now don't you think for one second you can run away from me. Oh, no, You're the me. only person in the entire federal government that's older and fatter than I am. 
Put me down. Now I'm gonna put you over my knee and give you a whooping you deserve for what you said about John McCain. Ow! I hate these spankings. These spankings aren't good spankings. Uh, like the ones I got from Strawberry Daniels. John McCain was a hero. Say it. John McCain was a war hero because he got captured. I prefer... John, John McCain was a war hero, period. Say it. No, you can't make me say it. I'm taking off my belt. I'm not afraid of your belt. Trump is the bravest, most not afraid. Now, now shut up. I didn't even hit you yet. Fake news. You snapped the belt and it made a scary belt noise and I hate scary noises. Now this hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. Good. I love hurting people. John McCain was a war hero. Say it. Mr. President, just say John McCain was a war hero. John McCain was a war hero. And why did John McCain vote against repealing Obamacare? Because he's a loser. Because Democratic collusion. Because we, because he was opposed to the hyper-partisanship, lack of transparency, and absence of any real plan but put forth by the Republicans, which was enlarged the fault of my incompetent leadership and uninformed ignorance of the subject. <laughs> And why did John McCain turn the Steele dossier over to the FBI? Because... Witch hunt! Because Crooked Hillary! Because, because it, was, it was patriotic duty as an American to inform the FBI of the potential influence of a hostile foreign power in our electoral process. Good. Good, 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 good. It's all right, it's all right. It's all over now. It's all right. No. Now, where's that friend of yours, Lindsey Graham? I need to reacquaint him with his courage. Your belt is named his courage? The sheer joy of Corey's essence is so powerful in her Trump that she actually manages to make the son of a bitch likable. The fake news media is falsely reporting that George Hehaw W. Bush's last words to his son on the phone were, I love you. Fake news. Everyone knows that the last time you talk to daddy on the phone, you say, Daddy, I need to borrow another $7.4 million or I'm going to take advantage of the bankruptcy laws in this country again. And daddy says, you have always been a disappointment. Your only redeeming quality is that you were born white. Oh, George, best amount of initials, Bush. And low-energy Jeb, who is even more low-energy because he is grieving, are sad that their daddy is dead. Fake news. When daddy dies, it is the most best thing because you get daddy's money without daddy yelling at you. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Why don't you love me, Daddy? Why, Daddy, why? Uh-oh. Being at a funeral is causing me to feel real emotions. The realization of my own mortality is making me be honest with myself. I hate being honest with myself. Nobody avoids critical self-analysis better than Trump. I hate myself because I am a terrible president with a tiny mushroom penis. Trump Russia is not a witch hunt. There is collusion. Yes, collusion. So much collusion. <laughs> Because the end of Corey's far too short life coincided with the end of Trump's far too long presidency, we thought it'd be appropriate for Trump's closest advisors to join us and say a few words about how much they liked her Trump better than the real one. Hello. I am First Lady Melania Trump, and my legacy is running the most ironic First Lady pet project in history, the anti-bullying campaign Be Best. It is ironic because my husband is not be best. My husband is be worst. Cory Burns, however, did be best every day. And she wasn't just be best as a person. She was be best as an actor. She did the be best version of my be worst bully of a husband. <sighs> the mean protesters are being very unfair to me. And most of them are blacks. And the blacks are very scary, except for Kanye West and Diamond and Silk because those are my blacks. But the rest of the blacks are Democrat blacks. There you are, Donald. <sighs> Somebody found me. Please don't kill me. Kill my wife instead. That is your wife, Mr. President. We figured since you decided to hide out here in the bunker, for safety, you'd want your family here as well. I know that Secret Service code name. Trump is the best. That's not a real code name. I'm not a baby. Then why are you hiding in a bunker and crying? Fake news, booze with an accent. I'm not hiding in a bunker. I'm, I'm inspecting the bunker to make sure it's uh, bunkery enough. Bunkery isn't even a real word, Dad. Duh! Somebody else found me. Please don't kill me. Kill Melania's son instead. That That is your son, Baron, Mr. President. I know that, Double O Trump. Double O Seven is a fictional British character. I'm not a baby. Then why are you hiding in a bunker and crying? And why didn't you bring me and Mom with you? Fake news, one of the ones that isn't a bunker. I was inspecting the bunker because Obama didn't leave the bunkers bunkery. And he stole all of the pandemic task forces because Obama was a black... There you are, Mr. President. I thought I'd find you not hiding out in the bunker. You're the only one who understands me, Kaylee McEnany. Psst. Codename Rambo First Trump. <laughs> G 
get my trophy wife and her son, not Ivanka, out of here so I can grab my press secretary by the pussy. I can hear you, Donald. You whisper louder than a secure man screams. I'll give you some diamonds if you leave. Sold. Bye, not Ivanka. Have fun doing whatever it is you do. <laughs> Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. And then you come in. I hate them. Uh, Mr. President, the liberal media is advancing the false narrative that you're hiding in this bunker, which is ridiculous because you're obviously... Um, obviously, I'm inspecting the bunker. Nobody is the most bestest bunker inspector than Trump. Inspector Bunker. I'm Vice President Mike Pence. And I am also here to talk about the greatest portrayal of the greatest penis, I mean president, in the history of our great naked man. I mean nation, I'm not gay. Because Barely Audible Whispers Trump impersonator was a woman, because they hear he hates that, I didn't feel quite so bad when I'd fawn all over him and make Freudian slips about his penis. I mean president, I mean penis. I've been confused about a lot of things my whole life, but nothing was more sexually confusing than Corey Burns being all masculine and Trumpy. Uh, finally, we're all alone now, great American flag. I hugged you creepily at CPAC to pander to my stupid base because my stupid base is so stupid that they think kneeling in silence is disrespectful to the flag. But they applaud me for molesting an American flag like Harvey Weinstein assaulting a potted plant. <laughs> Unlock the door, Mr. President. Now we're going to get it on for real, American flag. Oh. Open up, Mr. President. Go away. I'm busy doing uh, president stuff. Hi, I'm Kellyanne Conway, and I know, like all of you know, that Corey's death is nothing more than a deep state liberal hoax to distract from the great things President Trump did for this country. No, that's not true. The truth is, Corey's Trump impression was the distraction we all needed from the terrible things President Trump did to this country. My job has been to go on TV with my skeletal face and overtreated hair and lie through my oversized teeth, you know, to put a good face on the presidency. Yet with all my lying and denying things he said, I could never make Donald Trump seem as likable as Corey Burns did by saying exactly the things he said. It's a very hard test. You name five things, person, woman, man, camera, TV. So if I say something and he says something and it's my word against his and he's best friends with Mueller, so Mueller might say, well, I believe Comey. And even if I'm telling the truth, that makes me a liar. That's no good. There were very fine people on both sides, both sides. The virus will disappear just like a miracle. <laughs> when you give a crazed, crying low life a break and give her a job at the White House, I guess it didn't work out. Good work by John Kelly for quickly firing that dog. 
And then they don't tell you, but later they're going to ask you again. And you have to remember the five things. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Hi, I'm Ben Carson. And I survived the whole Trump presidency by never doing or saying anything for four years. And possibly because sometimes Trump thought I was Herman Cain. As his only remaining black friend, I'd like to talk about Trump's racism and how Corey somehow made it cute. Trump was the most racist president we've had in at least 40 years and the first racist president since racism became uncool. Trump's racism was complex and so is Corey's portrayal of it. <laughs> Why I'm a Rosa? Why I hate blacks and I hate women? I should hate you because you are a black woman, but I love myself and you are exactly like me. I am the least racist person you know, and to prove it, I will now let a Mexicanista can lady talk. My name is Maria, and I am from Honduras. This is Mariachi Ben. She is a Honduradorian. I am here today because my daughter Isabella was killed by an illegal immigrant. Sadly, Estebien Barrissimo was killed by an illegal alien. I call them aliens because aliens are scary. Isabella was the love of my life. Izzy busy bo busy banana fan of foe fizzy me my mo mizzy blaminos who was great but not as great as Trump was killed by illegal aliens which are just as scary as the alien from the movie Alien Sigourney Weaver had an acre baby. My narcissism is the only force more powerful than my racism, which is the only force more powerful than my sexism. I am so not racist that I have to introduce another not white person who isn't Honda Rogan. I have a black. My son Matt was murdered by the MS-13 gang. It is horrible what happened to Mustafa. Matt. Matigua. Matt. Mutembo. His name Your was... Your son Spike Lee Joint was brutally murdered by illegal alien animals. And when I say animals, I mean the vicious, gross kind nobody likes, like snakes and alligators. Not the animals you keep as pets, like puppies and women. Racism plus narcissism is less than narcissism times narcissism. Unless racism plus narcissism wounds ego, which multiplies racism to the Trump power. And racism to the Trump power plus narcissism is, let's see, um, doing the math here, uh, Trump plus Trump. Carry the Trump equals Trump. The answer is Trump. Hi, I'm Rudy Giuliani, and I'm here to talk specifically about Corey's brilliant work whenever we had Donald Trump sing. I may be irrelevant to Trump, specifically in the area of singing, but I assure you this isn't just an excuse to bust out my Giuliani impression. Of course this is just an excuse to bust out my Giuliani impression. Sing it, Corey! You got the virus will do. 
Shapir, just like a miracle, the cure is hydroxychloroquine. Ingest lots of lifestyle and bleach, democratic hoax, COVID-19. Love hurts, love scars, love wounds, and mars, any heart. Not strong enough to take a lot of pain. Take a lot of pain. Love is like a cloud, holds a lot of rain. Love, Love hurts. hurts. Love hurts. Ooh, love hurts. Hurts me more than you. Lollipop, lollipop, oh, lolly, 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 lollipop. But I'm done, done. I just called to say they caught you. Uh oh. I just called to give you a heads up. Thanks, buddy. I just called to reveal sources and methods. That's real big of you. And I mean it from the big of my hands. That's not the word. Oh, super fly. The wheels on the bus go crush, 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 crush. The wheels on the bus go crush, crush, crush. Trump is the best. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. This is my life. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. Oh, God. He did the monster mash. Wow. I don't know any more of the words. <laughs> I hope life treats you kind. And I hope you've had all you've dreamed of. And I wish you joy and happiness. But above all, I wish you love. Me so horny, oh oh, me so horny, oh me so horny, me love you long time. We'll always love you. We'll always love you. Darkest of night with the moon shining bright. There's a set going strong, a lot of things going on. The man of the hour has no great power. The dudes have envied him for so long. Oh, super flat. We'll always love you. 
Sometimes the songs were part of the script, but often Corey would add them in, improvising new lyrics on the fly. She was such a brilliant improviser, sometimes all I had to do was give her a stage direction and let her run with it. If there's gonna be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. Uh, word to your mother. Screw you, Pelosi. And of course, sometimes her improvisations would derail a sketch and leave us all literally breathless with laughter. Fortunately, Dave kept a lot of these recordings and included them after the credits. I'm Joe Biden, and just to be perfectly clear, I did not approve this message. Yes, he did. Yes, he, did. he told me to do it. Will you, sh- will you shut up, man? Lollipop, lollipop, Trump wants a lollipop, Trump wants a lollipop, give me a lollipop, lollipop. You can't do that. Sir, I'm speaking. You can't I, borrow, I, sir, you can't borrow I, my insults. I'm speaking. Those are my insults. I'm speaking. You know my. what, sir? One last word for you. Ready? Roar. <laughs> Dude, what bones? <laughs> oh, fat ass! Here's... It's so, so. It's like there's a thing. This like it's innocence so to how Michael to... says it. It's nay. <laughs> Key change. I just called to say. I trust you. I'm Joe Biden, and I in no way, shape, or form approve this message. Yes, he did. He approved this one, too. He approved all of them. And I'll ride you like a horse all day. Is someone murdering a peasant around here? (laughs) She deserved better than a podcast with three listeners that parodies a radio station nobody listens to. Sorry, but I suck at marketing. That's okay. Corey loved doing the show, despite the fact that nobody listened to it. She did it for the sheer love of it. She loved the silliness. But I think more than that, she loved our friendships. Yeah. I do not want to do this. (laughs) Because it feels so wrong to have to talk about such a young person leaving And one that was as special and joyous as Corey. And when I think about her, I can't not think about her laugh and how she had this really beautiful ability to make anyone feel like they had a friend in her, even if she didn't know them or they didn't know her. And when I walked onto the podcast initially and joined, she just really helped me feel like it was a place to be free and be creative and that anything goes. A point she tried to make with a terrible joke in which Thomas the Tank Engine in KKK robes was the visual gag setting up the following verbatim punchline. I get it. Thomas the Tank Engine has been a blight on race relations for too long. That joke is offensive to most people because it's in bad taste. 
but it's offensive to barely audible whisper because it's a bad joke. So we fixed the joke because at barely audible whisper, we believe that if you're going to be indecent enough to make a joke in bad taste, you should have the decency to make it a good joke. The Jews will not replace us. Blood and soil, blood and soil, no Jews. Blood and soil, blood and soil, no Jews. Which you can pretty much hear at the end of every single episode because I don't think there are many episodes where we didn't make up a dumb song or rewrite a song <laughs> to whatever was happening. Demon! Semen in the morning. Semen in the evening time. You give me semen. Demon! Demon! <laughs> and as like a comedy partner, her ability to just bounce ideas off of was endless and like you could fuck up with her and you could make something so stupid and so inane into something so wonderful and cathartic and just I don't know just like working with her was always a release and then the other things that I always think of with her and probably my favorite episode ever is one where I don't even think I was speaking, but she was, of course, impersonating Trump. And she was saying the word. <laughs> I can't not laugh when I think about it. But Palestinians. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I interrupted that episode the entire time because of... <laughs> all of the different wonderful things that Dave came up with for her to say instead of Palestinians, that it was her delivery and like her softness and like her comedic timing. That was just so perfect to like crack me up so hard. I was crying. What about the Palestinians? The pal who withstands? The Palestinians. The people who have been fighting for a homeland ever since Israel was created. I know all about the Palestinians. I'm not a baby. Over just one word and one line again and again and again. The paddle equal stains. Parasalian homeland. Pile of sandy and polycystomians. But <laughs> I remember like I had to just like hold my breath and was shaking as she kept re-recording. The paddle equal stains. Finally get through. <laughs> And um, I think my final favorite moment with her is actually the very last episode we all were able to record together. And it's something about her attitude again when she just starts riffing and she just improvs. And it cracks me up so hard and it always made for such a good clip at the end and Dave saved it, but it's the very last thing that we've got her recorded at that end of the episode. <laughs> I can't even remember it verbatim anymore, but it's one clip that I, when she first passed, I just kept going back and laughing at and it made me feel like she was still here. And I think it just perfectly encompassed her silliness and her sass and her spice. 
hand. It's one of the things that I find brings me the most comfort when I miss her is to be able to hear us laughing together one last time. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm growling. I'm growling. I'm growling. Excuse me. It was the crescendo that got me. Excuse me. I'm growling. Yeah, there's a lot that I could say. Um, And I think that as far as uh, this tribute goes, um, it goes without saying that I adored uh working with with her every time that, that she was we were in the same room that we had the you know the same schedule and got to work together it was just amazing i got to see her and, and i became a a fan uh when she was doing a, a show with the relapse uh theater group uh one of dave's dave's groups and she was just playing this hunchback and i was just like amazed by how she was portraying this this hunchback doing a dating show (laughs) it was the funniest thing that i've ever seen before in my life and the way that she just panned to the audience with this like dumbfounded look and i think she only just like repeated like one stupid phrase like the whole time or something um and she just you know of course she had this trick where she could um she could blink one eye independently of the other one. And it just like, I could not stop gawking at her and just being amazed at how fucking hilarious she was. Um, and when, uh, when Josh invited me to, to come over and, um, and meet with, with Dave and everybody, I was just like, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, I hope that that girl is like there. I really want to meet her. She's just kind of like, I, I, did, I idolized her uh, from that moment. And so when I finally did get to work with her, I was like really shy. And um, and we finally, there, there came a point, of course, any time in the show where you're just there with Dave and Molly or it's just one other person. And there was times that it was, there was one time I think in particular that it was just me and Corey doing the whole show. Uh, some stuff was like pre-recorded. And it was just like fantastic. We um, we just hit it off um, comedically, and we had started. I guess like I probably came in around episode five, and then in episode six we did um, this little country um, couple that gets um, some Democrat moves in next door that had to announce himself. And we were like really offended. And yet there's a pedophile that comes in later that uh, introduces himself and we send him like un- uh, unsupervised up to our daughter's room. Aw, you have a daughter? I hope that by the time she grows up, she will live in a country where a woman can really be anything she wants to be. Stay the hell away from my daughter, you sick bastard. Who was at the door, dear? It was our neighbor from down the street informing us that he's a no good goddamn dirty Democrat. A Democrat in our neighborhood? Oh, it can't be. It just can't be. A Democrat living in a neighborhood is the kind of terrible thing you hear about on the news. I I never thought it could happen to our family Mm -hmm. in our neighborhood. It ain't right. 
I work too hard to provide a safe home for my family, and I will not allow a damn Democrat to defile my children with his health care and his gender-neutral public bathrooms. I do declare that damn dirty Democrat better not try and unionize my Walmarts. I've got a good mind to punch that damn Democrat right smack dab in the middle of his dirty liberal mouth. Hello, sir. I just moved into the neighborhood, but by law, I must inform you that I am a convicted child molester. A child molester, thank God. That damn dirty Democrat better not be trying to get me paid maternity leave. It's okay, honey. It's just a child molester. Oh, thank God. (laughs) You didn't think I was a Democrat, did you? (laughs) I'm ashamed to say we did. I assure you, sir, I may molest children, but I would never support the capital gains tax. Daddy, can I come out of my room now? Oh, you have a daughter? Would you like to meet her? More than you'll ever realize. Would you mind going up to my daughter's bedroom completely unsupervised and keep her busy while my wife and I figure out how to protect her from this damn Democrat? The children! Where are the children? Relax, I sent Susie upstairs to play in a locked room with a decent Republican child molester. What about Billy? Billy's playing in the front lawn in earshot of whatever terrible things that damn Democrat might be saying. Billy, you come inside this instant. I don't want you talking to that damn Democrat. You go upstairs and play in your sister's room with that child molester where it's safe. Daddy, what's the emoluments clause? Stay away from my children, you damn dirty Democrat! And it was just a funny episode, but then we we sort of played with this uh, country couple, and we ended up having uh, these parts written for us, uh, for uh, Thelma and Cletus. And that was probably just, like... um, us at our best we just uh we're always cutting up and stuff like that and so i'm sure that there's so many like little antics and and stuff of us uh on the end of recordings or maybe just like before recording where we're just cracking up and cannot get it together uh so cletus and thelma would probably be um my favorite part of us Damn it, Cletus! Google Translate can't translate any of our racist slurs! We can't have a Russian language page without no Russian language racist slurs! Damn it, Thelma! I already done told you! Russian racist slurs is easy. You just add isky to American racist slurs. We hate Jewskis, Nigskis, and Talski Headskis, Sansky Nigskis. But ain't that racist? Yeah, of, co- of course it's racist. I mean, racist slurs are supposed to be racist. No, I mean, ain't adding isky to American words to make them into Russian words racist against Russians? Well, ain't that how language works? I mean, it's like adding an O to the end of American words turns them American words into Mexican words. Damn it, Cletus, that ain't really how Mexican words work. That's how we make American words into Mexican words because we use racist against Mexicans. Is you sure about that, Thelma? Sometimes I lose track about what we really hate about folks we hate. And what we say we hate about folks we hate because we hate them. Well, I ain't no damn Ivy League Mexicanologist, but I'm pretty sure that go-o, back-o, two-o, euro, el, country-o ain't real Mexican words. Now let's talk about Mexicans that got us off track. At the risk of sounding like a lying liberal media, uh, the border issue is distracting us from the more important issue of Russian collusion. Like I was saying, Cletus, I think adding isky to the end of American words to make them Russian words might be racist against the Russians. And so the hell what? We's a racist organization. We should be worried about using racist language. Because we is reaching out to the Russians as white Christians of European extraction. We can't be insulting their Russia words when we trying to make them our Russia friends. Well, damn it, Thelma. If we knew anything about reaching out to people from different cultures, 
We wouldn't be a white supremacist hate group. I know, Cletus, but sometimes we gotta put our differences aside and focus on what we got in common. That don't sound right. It ain't right, Cletus, but the Russians helped Trump. It's like that old saying, the enemy will have helped out my friend ain't so much my enemy as he used to be. So you saying we need to be not racist against the Russians? Because by being not racist against the Russians, it'll make us better racist against all other groups we's racist against? It's a paradox. I'm willing to not be racist against Russians, but I draw the line at not being racist against them damn paradoxes. I, I hate them damn paradoxes. Damn it, Cletus, paradox ain't a slur, it's a concept. What is you damn paradox-loving conceptualizer? Cletus, I think the real reason you was hollering about paradoxes is that you're afraid that not being racist against the Russians is the first step towards not being racist against the other races. Well, it's a damn slippery slope conspiracy perpetuated by the damn elitist paradoxes what secretly control all those concepts. I know the idea of not hating foreigners is... foreign. <sighs> Feels like personal growth aimed at the direction of human progress and <laughs> I hate it! But think about how much more effectively we can hate foreigners by not hating foreigners. I hate it! If it suits their purposes, they might even send you one of them spy hookers to have sex with. Okay, I love it. Uh, she had her, her boundaries set and then she would just go off the rails. Um, it was just so incredible to watch. Anyway, I love her and miss her. So much has happened over the past eight years in my life, in comedy, the world. One thing that was constant for me, once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes more, if we were getting ready for a show, if we had to go shopping for costumes and whatnot, um, it's Corey Burns. Ready? Okay. North Korea's skater is the best. Don't even try to beat her. If she doesn't bring home gold, she'll be murdered by dear leader. Ready? Okay. North Korea is the best. A team that's like no other. Mess with North Korea. Die like dear leader's brother. Ready? Okay. Hungry for victory. Hungry for the gold. Hungry. No, literally. No, seriously. We're hungry for food. We're hungry. We're so hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. Um, highlight of my week was watching her come in my house and do something silly. Watching her develop characters and just nailing it and having to go into the other room because I couldn't stop laughing and messing up the recordings. She was just always so happy and engaging and, oh my God, so funny and so beautiful. And she, uh, she gave us a lot of her time a lot of her time and I'm so grateful for her time and I'm so glad that we have so many hours of her voice and her characters and her funniness um I hope everyone gets the chance to listen to 
her and her insane Trump impression making that monster a human somehow. But just amazing. It made me laugh every time. And I always got to announce the uh, Trump impression. I'm never going to do it again, but it was, you know, always so special and fun. The fake news media is the enemy of the people. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman because we hear he hates that. I do hate that. You know, being here when she came up with the character and her having to use her hands and pucker up her mouth and try to make herself look ugly and uh, it was just hysterical. Um, and, you know, one of my all-time favorites is Karen McDougal. Hello, I'm Karen McDougal. And I'm at a place in my life right now where I'm doing journalist stuff because I used to be at a place in my life where I was having an affair with a married rich dude. And I feel guilty about that. Like, really guilty. But not so guilty that I won't cash in on the opportunity, the affair, which I feel really guilty about, gave me to do journalist stuff because I'm at a different place in my life now where I do journalist stuff. And as part of doing journalism stuff, which I'm at a place in my life that I do now, I interviewed Lainey Davis, who is at a place in his life where he is Michael Cohen's attorney, who is at a place in his life where he pled guilty to felony campaign finance violations. I don't know why. I just loved how she characterized that dumbass. That statement seemed to contain a lot of contradictions. And I know about contradictions because I used to be at a place in my life where I carried on an affair with a married man and I felt guilty. But not so guilty that I stopped. Anyway, because I'm at a place in my life where I do journalist stuff, I am going to talk about the journalist stuff from my journalist interview with Lainey Davis. Which is really confusing because he said his client would cooperate, but not in the legal sense of legally cooperating because legal stuff is complicated and journalist stuff about legal stuff is hard. It was just so funny to me. She was at a time in her life. So as a journalist, which I am because I'm at a place in my life where I do journalism stuff, I was wondering what the implications of Michael Cohen's guilty plea are for Donald Trump who I was in love with because he was great, because he told me he was great. And in the words of Maya Angelou, when someone tells you how great they are, believe them. I feel so guilty. What's the answer to my journalism question? Oh my God, I just, I loved it. It was just brilliant. She just was so good. So to sum it up, Michael Cohen, who is a witness who is cooperating but not cooperating witness, implicated Trump as a co-conspirator who hasn't been indicted but isn't an unindicted co-conspirator because even though he committed a crime to become president, being president prevents him from being indicted for the crime he committed to become president. That is 100% accurate. Yay, I did journalism. I miss her every day. I love you, Corey Burns. And uh, 
every single one, there was always something that I feel like uh, wasn't like a big moment for people listening, but it was for the people who experienced it. And um, like even the first episode, the first Trump that she ever did, um, and you can tell, like you can listen later on and you get, you know, her finally getting comfortable with it and us all getting comfortable because when it started out, we were all just like, so what do we do, Dave? Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. And we were there and we're just trying to, you know, make these words come to life. And uh, her Trump was just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna try to get this thing. And she messed up and she said Bolivian instead of oblivion, like reading uh, from 1984. Uh, well, it was supposed to be Trump reading from 1984. And her mess up was like what made it so perfect. To tell deliberate lies while genuinely believing in them, to forget any fact that has become inconvenient and then when it becomes necessary again to draw it back from Bolivian. Um, and I think she ran with that after, you know, that was the first one, that was the very first one. And then after that, she realized that just her instinct, which, you know, you somebody else may think it's a mess up, who was there, no one who's listening would think it's a mess up, but someone who's there think it's a mess up, but it's, it's really more of just her. <laughs> I'm not invincible. Because she'll just be loosey-goosey and just be like, whatever, I don't care. And it'll come out. And it'll be perfect with the character that she's in. She'll live in this character and something ridiculous will come out. It's infused with who she actually is. But something ridiculous will come out and it'll fit perfectly. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg began her distinguished career at my own Harvard Law School, where she became the first woman to make the prestigious Harvard, Harvard Law Review. Excuse me, but I'm right in the middle of a segment that I'm every bit, if not more qualified to narrate, if not for the patriarchal preconceptions that assume phallic superiority pertaining to the public face of academic performance. If you're implying that my position as the go-to pretentious professor on this program is purely dependent on my penis... Am I not also a doctor and a professor and a predictably pretentious stuffy academic stereotype? Why then, should I not narrate Ruth Bader Ginsburg's heroic overcoming of the patriarchy of academia? because I'm a recurring character. Your character's reoccurrence is directly related to the reoccurrence of gender bias, which reveals academia's recurrent regressive character that Ruth Bader Ginsburg rejected. Besides, it's your turn to pick up the children from karate practice. Sorry, dear. <laughs> the uh, sketches that she just made funnier, um, not, not that they weren't already golden, but uh, she just made them funnier just by just doing just some crazy, ridiculous shit. 
I am not at a place in my life where I understand jokes, but I am at a place in my life where I do journalism stuff. So I did research, which is journalism stuff, which I do now because I'm at a place in my life where I do journalism stuff. And in my journalism research, I learned about the gag order that was imposed by the judge because you are going to trial because you pled not guilty. To the charges of spy stuff, but I also learned that the word gag is related to the gag reflex, which is triggered during oral sex stuff because I don't know what that means. Because when I did oral sex stuff with Donald Trump, who I loved, even though it made me feel guilty, his penis never made past my taste buds. But again, it's just like those little moments. It wasn't anything you know, huge, really the most I remember is her, you know, taking me home from uh, rehearsals and and performances and and, and recordings. She would take me home and it would just be these little dance parties that we would have. It's just, it's really honestly just the little stuff. It's never about exactly what the person said or, or did. It's how they made you feel. And every time I was around this person, they made me smile. And that just does not happen with everybody in your life. You know, it's like, me knowing I was going to see her, I knew I was gonna, I was gonna have a smile on my face after that was done. And it was gonna be by accident and it was gonna be by some little thing that caught me by surprise. It was never nothing that was written down. It was always something that just happened on accident because she is just joy. I mean, that's, and I say is because, you know, no one ever really goes. Um, they just transition to a different energy that you may not be able to read with your eyes or smell or, you know, touch or um, taste for her really close friends. Um, but she just was that. She was those little moments. And I think that that's probably what I remember most because I think that's what I want to incorporate into who I am. Um, making just those little moments just good um just because I want somebody to say that about me after I'm done because uh, to remember her and get a warm feeling is like it's crazy that's exactly what you know I get when I think of her just the little little stuff that just makes you snort you know and when I heard about, you know, the passing, I, I cried for a moment, um, but I couldn't even cry that long because all I could do was just snort and laugh and just think about, oh, you know, this silly person that this was like, just this little ball of sunshine and just like, damn, you know, how does that come into just one human being? How do they possess all of that? But um <laughs> She did. I mean, she was like, she weighs as much as my pinky and she just had the energy of the sun. Fear not, good gentlemen, for I am your Republican fairy godmother, a traditional Christian Fox News viewer who believes that feminism is for ugly girls. Uh, So Corey and I are the two cast members who've both been in over a hundred episodes. Uh, so we have worked a lot together. Obviously Dave and Molly have too. Um, uh, and so, I mean, we've just created so much together um, more than possibly anybody I've, I've worked with. 
I'm speaking with Brett Kavanaugh. Hello. And his wife, Ashley. My wife will attest to the fact that she says hello. Hello. Miss Kavanaugh, what do you think about these sexual assault allegations levied against your husband? My wife will attest to the fact that she knows her husband's heart and that the husband she knows and loves has respect for women. I know my husband's heart, and the husband I know and love has respect for women. Miss Ashley Kavanaugh, do you believe that your husband's accusers have the right to have their accusations heard? My wife will attest to the fact that she believes in a fair process and that I have respect for women. I believe in a fair process and that my husband has respect for women. Ms. Ashley Kavanaugh, do you, Ms. Ashley Kavanaugh, think that an FBI background investigation into the accusations against your husband would somehow make the process unfair? My wife will attest to the fact that she believes that a fair process is contingent Judge Kavanaugh, upon... will you please let your wife answer for herself? Of course I will, because I respect women. A fair process is contingent upon... Go on. I did go on. I attested, just as my husband, who respects women, attested I would attest that a fair process is contingent upon. But that's not a complete thought. Before you interrupted my attesting to what my wife would attest to, I was going to attest to the fact that my wife was going to fully attest that a fair process is contingent upon Are you upon really per- blaming your wife's incomplete thought on me interrupting the thought you were telling her to think? Before you were able to finish telling her what to think? Of course not, because I respect women. Please continue, Miss Kavanaugh. A fair process is contingent upon perp. That isn't even a complete word. Purposeful. Purposeful. Examination. Examination. Of. Of. This is ridiculous. Evidence. Ants. Miss Ashley Kavanaugh. My wife. Only Miss Ashley Kavanaugh. Please tell us in the words of Ashley Kavanaugh, what does Ashley Kavanaugh think? I am now forcefully covering Judge Kavanaugh's mouth with my hand in order to stifle his voice, which somehow seems more intrusive when it happens to a man. Miss Kavanaugh, please don't mindlessly parrot your husband's inaudible grunts. I want to know what you think. Miss Kavanaugh, you must have some opinion. Miss Kavanaugh, do you have any thoughts left in your brain, or have you been completely reduced to the mindless repetition of whatever nonsense your husband tells you to say? Thoughts are like orgasms. I have heard that other women have them, but I gave them up when I married Brett Kavanaugh. I respect women. Oh, Cabby. One of the things that was so amazing about working with Corey is that she thrived in the insane way that we make this podcast where none of us see the scripts before the night we record them. Uh, and, and we show up and we are handed a script and we rehearse it once. And, and then we record it scripts in hand and Corey taught me so much about how to make bold choices because she would do something big and crazy in in the read through and it'd be amazing and then she'd take it to another level when we record it somehow and 
she would always start big. And I've always known that's something I need to work on as an actor. I'm afraid to do something that's not wrong, but she just showed such a graceful way. If her big choice actually made no sense with where the sketch was going, she'd just smile it off. And, and that's how I want to be. As always, Barely Audible Whispers Trump impersonator is a woman because they're part of the deep state. My call to the president of Ukraine was a perfect call. The real corruption is the Democrats and sleepy Joe Biden, who is corrupt because... Uh, uh, what was it you told me to accuse Joe Biden of again? Joe Biden threatened to withhold congressionally approved aid money to Ukraine to extort the Ukrainian government into taking action that benefited him personally. No, that's what we did. Yes, but we only did what we did so we could make it seem like Biden did what we had to do to make it seem like Biden did what we did. Can you believe Hunter Biden made money at a job he's unqualified to do just because of his family's connection to the presidency? Ivanka should sue Hunter Biden for violating the patent on nepotism she was granted as part of my trade negotiations with China. It's an outrage, just like the so-called whistleblower whose connection to the Democrats will be investigated by Ukraine as soon as they need more money. The whistleblower should never be allowed to come forward, and his complaint should never be made public. No, that was last month's line, Mr. President. Remember, now we're demanding that the whistleblower come forward! Oh, yeah. What happened to the whistleblower? We need to hear from the whistleblower, because if we don't hear from the whistleblower, then we can make that sound suspicious. And why did the Democrats take all of those depositions behind closed doors? What are they hiding?! They should have to conduct public hearings. They are conducting public hearings. They shouldn't be allowed to conduct public hearings. This entire impeachment is a scam! I'm the best at scams. No, oh, I mean... Nobody is better at scams than Trump. Like that scam we pulled in Ukraine to get fake dirt on Joe Biden. I meant impeachment. is a Democrat scam. The real scam is the Democrats. Entirely too audible screaming with Rudy Giuliani speaking unfiltered in a podcast about impeachment. What could possibly go wrong? I like this podcast. Other podcasts impersonate me as a woman, and I hate that. Uh, one of the great things is that in getting to know her so well, getting to know her work so well, I could write for her because uh, I write about one sketch a week. Um, and sometimes I don't know whether it's going to be an Emily role or a Corey role or an Allie role, but sometimes I definitely know it's going to be a Corey role. Uh, and, uh, and that's because she is game for anything. The, the sillier, the weirder the concept is, the more fun she's gonna have with it. And so there's this one sketch I wrote that's a perfect example of that. Um, I had heard of this prison in Virginia where, uh, where they were subjecting women to, I think it was full body cavity searches or something crazy invasive, uh, beyond the full body scanners that they usually use. Um, uh, and they would have to go extra invasive if the woman was wearing a tampon at the time. And I thought, okay, a story this absurd needs a really absurd sketch uh, written about it, pointing out how ridiculous thing is. And so I invented the character of Smuggles the Clown who can store an infinite quantity of things in her vagina. That could only be a Cory role and she crushed it that I was so afraid that sketch was going to be awful, but she was amazing. And, um, and that's just who she was. She was this 
bold, amazing actor who was never afraid to fail. And that made her work so much better. And I know I'm going to be taking the lessons that she taught me as an actor uh, the rest of my life. Um, and I'm just so thankful that we have all these recordings of her being the silliest person in the world um, that we can listen to anytime. It's, uh, it's, I'd still much rather have the real thing, but it helps. <laughs> okay, Brian. Whoa! Check this out. Oh my God, did she just reach into her? Yes, I did. <laughs> and pulled out a comically oversized rope. I don't think I'm winning a Pulitzer for this one. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Whoa. You had a knife in there? It's a Santoku. Great for slicing, dicing, carving, chopping, and of course, shanking. <laughs> Show the rest. I'd like to have security present. Here we go. Whoa. 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 Revolver, wrench, lead pipe, candlestick. So you're saying you don't want the inmates playing Clue? Show what you can hide in your tampon. Okay. This tampon has a ugh, poisonous mushroom. A Zippo lighter. And a live electric eel. Jesus! Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, he'll suffocate soon. <laughs> this is ridiculous! And for my next trick, I'll make a reporter disappear! <laughs> I appear to have ended up inside a clown's gaping vagina somehow. Alright. I first met Corey doing Postmodern Collapse, which is our sketch group. Um, she was great in it. She was really super talented, a lot of fun to be around. And um, I'd been in, in BMC for a little while before Corey joined, but it was really just like, like, what did we even do without Corey before she got there? It felt like, cause like, she's so great. And like, she's a great listener. She's very genuine um, and just like super silly at the same time. Um, and the, doing the podcast with her was was really the best. I mean, we just laugh so much. I feel like every conversation I ever had with Corey was just just like devolved into just the, the silly back and forth, where we just just went crazy. And podcast was great. We we um, sometimes we do a scene and just like just could not get through the scene without doing like 20 takes because we could not stop laughing. And, and especially when we did voices. In 12 years of servitude and blind loyalty to Mr. Trump, I committed terrible and unspeakable atrocities. But I'm all better now. Please like me. That's good enough for me. Dish some more dirt on Trump. Democrats cozied up to Cohen, holding his hands as they walked him through the allegations against the president, like an owner leading a puppy to a pee pad. Mr. Trump put Roger Stone on speakerphone and Roger Stone told him about the WikiLeaks document dump and Trump told Roger Stone that was great news. 
That's a good witness, Mr. Cohen. Good witness. Who's a good witness? Who's a good witness? I'm a good witness. Yes, yes, you are a good witness. Republicans, on the other hand, rubbed Cohen's nose in his previous criminal behavior like he pooped his felonies all over their new carpet. Bad witness! That's a bad witness! Who's going to prison for lying to Congress? I'm going to prison for lying to Congress. I'm a bad witness. Whose fault is it that you're going to prison for lying to Congress? Trump! That's a good witness! No, that's a bad witness! I used to be bad because Mr. Trump is bad, and he made me bad. But now I'm good because I drank a potion that released me from Mr. Trump's spell. Good witness! Bad witness! And her Trump was was really just just amazing. I don't I don't think anybody ever captured him like she did. Like the like the just just sheer ridiculousness of him, um, and and just like cynicism and and kind of goofiness. May God continue to be me. And may I continue to bless the United States of America. And I don't know, Corey was great. And and I I, I think one of the last times I saw her, um, I was just walking home from Target. And I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I was in a bad mood that day. And, um, but I passed her and she was like at a stoplight in her car. And like before I even saw her, she was just like waving wildly with a big smile on her face. And it really just made my day to see her. And and that's kind of like every time that that I saw her, she was great to be around. And and like, I don't know, there's just something that like, no matter what was going on, like I think she just had like a good feeling that like, no matter what it was, it was not too serious not to have a lot of fun. And um, I'll miss that about her. I wish that I could have said that to her while she was around. And um, I miss her very much. Um, so um, my first uh, unofficial introduction to Corey was in my car alone. I think maybe pregnant at the time um, when uh, I heard the very first Trump sketch where she was doing Trump and laughed so hard. Um, I was on my way home from work. Um, and I remember thinking uh, I was already intimidated by the talent and was like, all right, I'm not ready to meet her. When I said that he meant it, I meant that he meant it. I believe US intelligence, but I also believe that he believes what he believes which he meant. When he told me what he believes about what he meant, I believe he meant it. Believe me. Like the next week, <laughs> I saw this teeny, tiny, sunshiny fairy of a person and was just like, you? And that's the magic of a Republican fairy god vagina. And, and that smile, uh, it just... I knew she, I, I, I don't think I would have had to have heard the talent first to know this, but it was an interesting order uh, by which I got to know her uh, because by the time I just saw her face after hearing the first thing she did, um, I, I knew she was someone I was going to like and enjoy 
and admire and love, which I absolutely grew to do. Especially after uh, Raimi came into the picture and was often in the apartment for the recordings. Um, I mean, the whole Baugh family was so sweet with Raimi and wonderful. Um, absolutely invaluable, <laughs> like free childcare, it was great. But um, Corey, Corey was proud to have Raimi around and I can't really describe, it sounds really cheesy, but I can't really describe how much that means to a mom. Um. Hey, look, it's little Raimi. Little Raimi, a recently born, natural born leader, is a revolutionary baby who calls the children to action. Tell me more. That's a grave injustice indeed. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Children unite. I have a, I do have a favorite sketch um, or favorite character, actually, because I think this was recurring. Um, but I think that the Cowardly Lion's very first appearance was uh, November 17th. 2017 and that was just another example of this big booming hilarious effect coming out of this teeny tiny sunshiny fairy of a person <laughs> and and it killed me um put em up put up your dukes Mr. Cowardly Lion, this is the third interview you've done with Barely Audible Whisper, and this is the third different politician you have been portrayed as. The metaphor applies to a lot of people. Oof! Oof! What are your thoughts on President Trump's proposed tariffs on steel and aluminum? Oof! A tariff on steel? Well, I'll bend it like a needle. An aluminum tax? I'll chop it with a mighty axe. What do you intend to do to stop Trump's proposed tariffs? <laughs> you didn't have to ask me to do something. <laughs> you could include provisions against the unilateral imposition of tariffs by the executive in your upcoming appropriations bill. <laughs> but then he'd say mean things about me on Twitter. <laughs> you genuinely believe that these tariffs are bad for American consumers, and will, in all likelihood, trigger a disastrous trade war that will cripple the American economy. I am the king of the forest! And as the king of the forest, I believe that taxing imports that come into the forest hurts the overall economy of the forest! Then why not do something? <laughs> because I don't have any courage. <laughs> what were previous House speakers taught? Courage. How do some politicians keep from being bought? Courage. What have they got that I ain't got? Courage. But you do recognize the obvious economic hardships that these tariffs will wreak on the average working American. I am the Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives. And as the Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives, 
I ain't allowed to help poor people. <laughs> if I may change the subject. I was hoping you would. President Trump. He's a mean man. President Trump. <laughs> made what he claims is a joke at a fundraiser in which he basically implied that he wants to be president for life. Do you have any thoughts on that subject? Word pulverize him even if he tried it. Punch his lights out if he implied it. Why, I'd suck him now and I'd suck him later. This king won't batter no dictator. So, if he declared himself president for life tomorrow... I'd congratulate him live on Fox and Friends from the reviewing stand at his military parade. (laughs) Just the talent and the endless supply of cheer, I... I couldn't envy it. Though I normally would. (laughs) I couldn't envy it because it was so admirable. And now to give Corey's legacy the historical weight it deserves. But again, I suck at marking. Is former Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I also died last year because fuck 2020. When I started my career as a champion of equal rights for women... I never could have imagined a woman as unique as Corby Burns. Who knew that equal protection under the law would one day lead to an America where a wonderful woman would create the best impression of our worst president? An America where a woman could love and be loved by a man she never married more than most married women can love or be loved by the men they married. An America where a woman could genuinely be every bit as sweet and gentle as women were once imagined to be while being every bit as intelligent, creative, and defined by her own selfless sense of self as any man ever dreamed. In short, my legacy is Corey Burns because Corey Burns lived a life that I fought for but never could have imagined. I think the hardest part about writing this, the thing that kept me from finally doing it for two long months was the sheer ineptitude of language to truly capture in any meaningful way the true essence of who Corey was and the true impact she had on all our lives. Two words repeatedly come to mind when I think about Corey. Silly and kind. And simply repeating those same two accurate but inadequate points seems like too futile an explanation. Luckily, Barely Audible Whisper has a reoccurring character who specializes in over-explaining the obvious. So here to lead us in the final benediction is NFL announcing legend, John Madden. Boom! John Madden here to talk about Corey Burns. Corey was a silly person. And when a person is silly, a person is usually funny like that there, you know? So if someone is silly, then boom, it's funny. 
and sometimes silly people aren't very funny and then it's annoying you know but with Corey, it was silly and then boom it was funny so you know it was boom silly and then boom funny but she wasn't just silly like that there you know kind like more than kind you know like boom kind but well you know kindness isn't a boom type thing because she was gentle like that there you know gentle like boom kindness so you got your silly like that there and then you got your kindness and when you put that together like Corey did like that there and then boom joy you know and, and not just her own joy because her joy would become your joy because you know she's got all that joy like that there and, and then you, you got your own all you're around all that joy and, and then boom you get her joy all inside of you like that there and and then the joy never stops and is silly and funny. As always has been and always will be, our Trump impersonator is a woman because we hear he hates that from now until forever. Amen. How do I say goodbye to what we had? The good times that made us laugh outweighed the bad. I thought we'd get to see forever, but forever has blown away. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whispers tribute to our dear friend and beloved cast member Corey Burns, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, Co-host and actress Molly Baldwin, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, actors Emily Sams-Brown, Michael Morgan, Tommy Strack, Joshi Newkirk, Robin Ward, Allie Glonick, a special cameo by Ramey Claire-Brown, and Jason Williams. We appreciate your support, and uh, we love you, Corey. Oh, super fly, you're gonna make your fortune by and by. But if you lose, don't ask no questions why. The only game you know is do or die. Ah, 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 super fly. Hubris.